May 27, 1977, Kobe, Japan. The head of Jun Hasei, a student at Teinohata Elementary School, was found in front of the school gate hours before students arrived for classes. A note written in red pen was found stuffed in the mouth of the disembodied head, identifying the killer as Saka Kibara. This is the story of the Kobe school killer. Hi, I'm your host Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Well, hi Islanders, I have a special treat for you tonight, but I will say there is a bit of gore, not too much, and I am discussing the killing of children. So I know some of you may want to skip this episode. Well, I was checking out Reddit the other day, as I sometimes do, and I came across a subreddit called Crime Scene. There was a post there from GoreGirl89, about the Kobe school killer, and I thought, why not ask to see if I could read it out on tonight's special edition? Well, I was given permission, and thanks so much to GoreGirl89 for letting me read this out tonight. So here we go with this shocking story from Kobe, Japan. Sito Sakikabara is the alias of a then 14-year-old student from Kobe, Japan, who murdered a 10-year-old girl and an 11-year-old boy between March and May of 1997. Also identified as Onibara, and this was due to an error in reporting by the Japanese media, his real name has not been released to the press as per Japanese legal procedures prohibiting the identification of juvenile offenders, and he is officially referred to as Boy A in Japanese legal documentation. Sakakibara began carrying cutting weapons while still in elementary school, writing in his diary that I can ease my irritation when I'm holding a survival knife or spinning scissors like a pistol. At age 12, he exhibited extreme cruelty to animals, lining up a row of frogs in a street and riding over them with his bicycle, as well as mutilating cats and decapitating pigeons. On March 16, 1997, Sakakibara abducted a 10-year-old girl named Ayaka Yamashita. He then took her to a park and bashed in her head with a hammer. This caused the top of her scalp to come off, and once he was done, he put a note in her mouth and left her to die. A lady walking through the park saw the girl and cradled her in her arms as she died. Now, to add to the story, I've found that there are reports 
that not only was there a note found in her mouth, but semen was also found in her mouth. So this guy is a sick little bastard. But let's go on. After the March 16 attack, Sakaki Bara wrote in his diary, I carried out sacred experiments today to confirm how fragile human beings are. I brought the hammer down when the girl turned to face me. I think I hit her a few times, but I was too excited to remember. The following week, on March the 23rd, he added, This morning my mum told me, Poor girl, the girl attack seems to have died. There's no sign of me being caught. I thank you, Beimoe Dukishin, for this. Please continue to protect me. On May 27, 1977, the head of 11-year-old Jun Hase, a student at Tainohata Elementary School, and now this is a special school for the less abled, well, it was found in front of the school gates hours before students arrived for classes. Hase had apparently been beheaded with a knife, with further mutilations being done before being left at the front gate. A note written in red pen was found stuffed in his mouth as per the March 16 attack, identifying the killer as Sakakibara. The note read, This is the beginning of the game. You police guys stop me if you can. I desperately want to see people die. It is a thrill for me to commit murder. A bloody judgment is needed for my years of great bitterness. Now, additionally, some English, that was all in Japanese characters, some English was on the note as well. And although it was spelt incorrectly, it basically said school killer. Now, also, forensic investigators found semen in Haas's mouth along with the note. So we have one sick little puppy here. Two days later, the rest of Haase's body would be found a distance away, having been what police say interfered with. And by that, I mean more semen was found inside the body. Police commented that the style of Haase's killing and the note was reminiscent of that of the Zodiac murders in the San Francisco area during the late 1960s. Now, this was because on the notes there was a symbol in the shape of a cross. Now, they were also to link these two murders with several violence attacks, violent attacks on other schoolgirls in the area. There were three other very violent attacks on schoolgirls. On June the 6th, a letter was sent to the newspaper Kobe Simbum in which Sakakibara claimed responsibility for the slaying and decapitation of June Hase and threatened that more killings would follow. The second letter, delivered in a brown envelope postmarked June 3, had no return address or name, which, <laughs> yeah, you can imagine that would be the case. Anyway, enclosed was a three-page, 1,400-word letter 
also written in red ink, which included a six-character name which can be pronounced as Sakakibara Seto. The same characters which mean alcohol, devil, rose, saint and fight were used in the first message that was inserted into the girl's mouth and, of course, into Hase's mouth. Beginning with the phrase of, Now it's the beginning of a game, the letter stated that, I am putting my life at stake for the sake of this game. If I'm caught, I'll probably be hanged. Police should be angrier and more tenacious in pursuing me. It's only when I kill that I am liberated from the constant hatred that I suffer and that I am able to attain peace. It is only when I give pain to people that I can ease my own pain. The letter also lashed out against the Japanese educational system, calling it compulsory education which formed me an invisible person. So, after a teacher was marking some assignments of his students, he noticed that doodling on one of the papers matched what he'd seen on TV from the killer of the two school children. Now, he immediately called police. Now, this doodle was that little cross that was on the messages. A 14-year-old junior high school student was arrested as a suspect in the Hase murder on June 28, and shortly after his arrest, Boy A also confessed to the murder of 10-year-old Ayaka Yamashita on March 16, as well as assaulting three other girls on and around that same date. The personality profile of Sakakibara is seen to be a classic case of Hikikomori syndrome. I'll have to explain what that is. In Japan, Hikikomori, which literally means pulling inward, being confined, or acute social withdrawal, are reclusive adolescents or adults who withdraw from social life, often seeking extreme degrees of isolation and confinement. Hikikomori refers to both the phenomenon in general and the recluses themselves. Hikikomori have been described as loners or modern-day hermits. More recently, researchers have developed more specific criteria to more accurately identify Hikikomori. Number one, spending most of the day and nearly every day confined to home. Number two, Marked and persistent avoidance of social situations. Number three, social withdrawal symptoms causing significant functional impairment. Number four, it's got a duration of at least six months. And number five, no apparent physical pathology to account for the social withdrawal symptoms. Now, you may know people like that yourselves. Anyway. In an, anal- an analysis of the case, journalist Gamal Nkrumah wrote, The worst thing about the Sakakibara case is that one might have seen it coming, yet neither his family 
nor Japan heeded the telltale signs. Japanese children are confronted with an extremely difficult examination at the tender age of six. Their performance effectively determines their whole future, for it decides whether they will go to a good elementary school or one of the despised state schools. Parents have no faith in the state system, and Sakakibara's mother was no exception. She pressured her firstborn to excel at school, even though social workers warned that her son was mentally unstable. He was already torturing and killing young animals as a hobby. Soon after, he began physically attacking girls as he walked to school. In addition to the hikikomori angle, analysts and psychologists have found a number of disturbing similarities to serial killer Sutomu Miyazaki. Like the 1989 otaku murderer, Sakakibara was apparently set on a violent path from the very beginning. As we said before, he began carrying cutting weapons while still in elementary school, writing in his diary that I can ease my irritation when I'm holding a survival knife or spinning scissors like a pistol. Of course, as we said before, at age 12, he exhibited extreme cruelty to animals, lining up a row of frogs in a street and riding over them with his bicycle, as well as mutilating cats and decapitating pigeons. Now, how often do we see serial killers that start off treating animals very badly? So, Sakakabara is arrested and readily confessed. Additionally, a search of Sakakabara's room turned up thousands of H-manga, or hentai manga, and now hentai literally means pervert, and hentai manga is that erotic or pornographic manga, and I'm sure I'm going to be corrected on this, but I will go on. So, a search of Sakikabara's room turned up thousands of H-manga volumes and pornographic videos and anime, enough so that Japanese politician Shizuka Kamai called for restricting objectionable content, stating... Movies lacking any literacy or educational merit made for just showing cruel scenes, well, adults should be blamed for this, and that the incident gives adults the chance to rethink the policy of self-imposed restrictions on these films and whether they should allow them just because they are profitable. Even though Saka Kibara, who would become known as Boy A, confessed to the murders and provided police details that only the murderer would know, there were some that felt that this was a case of a false confession. Shojiro Goto, a lawyer who dealt with many false accusation cases, Hidehiko Kumagai and Nobuyoshi Iwata, which, who was a former principal of the junior high school that Boy A attended, insist that Boy A was wrongfully accused and pointed out contradictions in the statements of the investigating authority. Well, it's pretty hard when 
Saki Kabara, or Boy A, tells police details that only the murderer would know. Anyway, in 2000, the Diet, which is like the Houses of Parliament in Japan, I think I have pronounced it correctly, lowered the age for criminal responsibility from 16 to 14 as a result of the Sakakibara murders. However, there was a murder in June of 2004 of Satomi Mitarai by an 11-year-old girl called Girl A, or also known as Nevada Tan. So, there's been even more discussion for the revision of these laws. On March 11, 2004, in an unprecedented act, the Japanese Ministry of Justice announced that Sakakibara, 21 at the time, was being released on a provisional basis, with a full release to follow on January the 1st, 2005. Now, critics have charged that since the government had taken the unusual step of notifying the public, that Saki Kibara was not was likely not fit for release and should be transferred to an adult prison. And in the wake of the Nevada Tan murder three months later, this criticism was exacerbated due to the seriousness of the crimes and the fact that they were committed as a minor, this little prick's name and new residence to this day remain a highly guarded secret. But his real name has been circulated on the internet since June 29, 1997, and it is Shinichiru Azuma. No one knows where this little freak is today since he stopped having to report to authorities on his release. He is now somewhere, maybe still in Japan, maybe he's gone elsewhere, free to go wherever he likes and only 35 years of age at this point of time. You have to wonder sometimes when it comes to juveniles that commit horrendous acts on how we as a society should treat them. Should their identities be kept secret and they get a fresh start on life once their sentence or treatment is up? Should should they be tried as adults for some of the worst types of crimes? I mean, this kid, even at the age of 14, seemed to be pretty mature in the way he went about killing his victims, leaving notes in their mouths and taunting police. It reminds me of the Janine Balding murder and the so-called juveniles that perpetrated that horrific crime. They ended up being tried and sentenced the same as adults and are hopefully never to be released. Now in a final note to this story, this sick little bastard wrote and got published an autobiography titled Zeka. Now, this report is from Japan today. This book provides vivid details about the two murders in 1997 by Shinichiro Azuma, also known as Seato Sakakibara, and his time in a medical juvenile reformatory. In the book, he writes how he used to kill cats, but got tired of that, 
and started to fantasise what it would feel like to kill a human being. He writes that now he realises the gravity of what he did. Satoshi Oka, president of Ota Publishing, said in a statement regarding the book that Sakakibara had wanted to publish the book himself and of March this year, Ota Publishing was approached by Sakakibara via a third party after which a face-to-face meeting was arranged during which Sakakibara's notes for his draft were passed over to the company. We have never had the opportunity to read the personal account of a juvenile criminal at this level. Although I understand this book will receive a great deal of criticism, I believe that the book details events that speak to issues of juvenile criminal accountability still relevant today. Sources say that Saka Kibara sent a personal note of apology attached to a copy of the book to be delivered to the bereaved families of his victims. What the fuck? About 10,000 copies of the first edition were given the green light for publication without the bereaved families being notified beforehand. Royalties for the sale of the book will be paid to the author. I mean, what the fuck? Mamoru Hasei, June's Hasei's father, issued a statement to the media in which he said, I don't know if the murderer of our child published this book to further extend our endless suffering. It shows he doesn't really feel bad about doing what he did. I wish this book would be pulled immediately and that no more copies be printed. I mean, fuck this little prick and fuck the publisher. Money number one, I suppose. At least they should give the money to the victims and not let the perp financially gain from their disgusting acts of violence. Let's just hope that the karma bus stops to pick up Azuma and send him to Boomfuckalunga land. So, Islanders, that was the Kobe school killer, with most of the story by GoreGirl89 from the subreddit Crime Scene, which I recommend having a look as you are all interested in true crime. I hope to have a few of Gore Girl's stories feature in, fu- future, feature in future special editions, and not only Gore Girl 89s. If you want me to feature one of your stories, let me know and we can sort something out. Basically, I'm looking for around 3,000 words, so Islanders get researching and become part of the show. Also, I can help out at editing the story if you need some assistance. I want to give another big shout out again this week to Maggie James, who is a great supporter of the island. And can we all please give another shout out to Maggie tonight? Also to the new Patreon supporters to the island. A big shout out to Lisa, Amy and Sharon R., Thank you very much. And as I say, all donations go back into developing the island. If you want to become a patron of the island, just go to patreon.com forward slash true crime island, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. As I said, all funds always go back straight back to the island. 
You can also do a one-off payment via PayPal. And to do that, go to paypal.me forward slash truecrimeisland. Again, if you want stickers or koozies, you need to email me directly. My email is cambo at truecrimeisland.com and I can price it up for you according to the postage. I have a few can coolers left, only a couple now, but about 20, 30 bottle ones, so please be quick. And pins and key rings have been ordered. All other merch such as t-shirts, hoodies, tote bags, mugs of rage... And all that stuff is via the shop at truecrimeisland.threadless.com. I just got the tote bag for Kate and really, really good quality. There's links to all this stuff at my website, truecrimeisland.com. Again, you don't have to spend money to support the island. You can rate, review and share the love. The more people who know about the show, the better. And if people don't know what a podcast is, then please show them the way. Join the Facebook group. Just search for True Crime Island and join in the chat. Please, people, can you join the closed group? Anyway, don't forget, check out Twitter and Instagram. The island handle is at True Crime Island. You can join in the chat. And there's so many other podcasts out there. And you can always chat with the host. Guess what? I've got a promo for a new podcast this week called Dark and Stormy Podcast. It should be released by the time you listen to this episode. Also, I'm running another promo tonight for Eye for an Eye Podcast, so make sure you check them out. Well, that's about it for tonight, Islanders. So, this has been Cambo, and you've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say... Don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night. And my name is Matt. And we are the hosts of Eye for an Eye Podcast. And we are trying to determine whether or not the punishment fits the crime. Was an eye for an eye, Matt? Does the punishment make sense? Was it too lenient, too harsh, too rough, not enough? We're not sure, but we're about to figure it out. And do you think that we have the opportunity to determine now what happened after the fact? Take a listen to our podcast, Eye for Eye Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. The Dark and Stormy podcast explores topics ranging from the weird and creepy to the downright terrifying. If you like horror, true crime and other dark themes, I have so many stories to tell you and I can't wait. We will be launching in April 2018 and I urge you to subscribe now so you never miss an episode.